Hallelujah. Amen. God is a good God. Every heartache he understands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I was thinking about what God wanted me to speak about this morning. And the last time I spoke, I, I talked about being a slave. And I, I contrasted that with being a, a servant. And uh, I talked about the difference between the two. Um, how often we are loath to use that term slave because of the, the connotation that we're more than that in Christ. And so therefore we hate to use the word slave. But, but the Bible explicitly refers to us as slaves. I'm a slave to righteousness and to the things of God, but I'm a servant of the Most High God. But this morning I want to look at another designation uh, that we have in Christ, and that is being of being a steward, a steward. And God takes us from being a slave to being a servant to being a steward. And we have to understand that process. We have to understand what God expects of us as stewards. Uh, I looked up the Greek word for steward in the New Testament, and it's oikonomos, oikonomos, which means manager, manager. And I also looked up in the, the Oxford Dictionary, and it says there the word stewardship means the job of supervising or taking care of something. Webster says it's the careful and the responsible management of something that has been entrusted to one's care. Another dictionary said it's an ethical value that embodies the responsible planning and management of resources and it can be applied to virtually anything. The environment, economics, health, property, information, theology, etc. How do we manage those things in our lives? And so this morning I want to look at just the four, just four aspects of um, how we can apply stewardship to our lives. And my title this morning is The Generous Steward. The Generous Steward. But before I, I begin, I want to lay a ground, a, some groundwork uh, or a ground sheet, if you would call it that. If you go camping and you're used to going camping and you like to have a ground sheet, something that will sort of keep you established there. And, the, and, and the, the thing that I want us to understand this morning is that you own nothing. I'll say it another way. You don't own anything. Okay? You don't own anything. It all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. You know, First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 to 14. This is from the modern King James. Sorry, guys. I know I said the... Passion Translation, the modern King James. And David blessed Jehovah before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed are you, Jehovah, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. O Jehovah, yours is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Jehovah, and you lift up yourself to all as head, and the riches and the honour are from you. And you reign over all, and in your hand is power and might, and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. And now, O God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after the sort 
for all things are from you and we have given to you that which is yours. You know, what's that song we sing? For from you are, are all things and to you are all things. He deserves the glory. Hallelujah. That, that, same, that same script, that same song in, in Romans 11 out of the Passion Translation says, Who has ever first given something to God that obligates God to ho- owe him something in return? I'll say that again. Who has ever first given something to God that obligates God to owe him something in return? Because God is the source and the sustainer of everything. Everything finds fulfillment in him. Hallelujah. And so that's the groundwork that I want to talk about this morning or or, or process from. And out of that, I've got just four quick points that I want to bring that I believe God laid on my heart at 3 a.m. one morning. Just four quick points. And the first one is to steward your talent. Steward your talent. Now, the Bible says, and Paul writing to Timothy says, do not neglect the gift that is in you. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. And it goes on in 2 Timothy, he says again, he says, fan into flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you. Now, I know I was talking about here the laying on of hands and, and through prophecy, but we may not have had any hands laid on us. We may not have been prophesied over, but I can guarantee every one of us this morning has a gift. Every one of us has a talent. Every one of us can do something for the glory of God. And we need to find out what that is. It's not about comparing my talent with your talent. It's not about saying, well, you're better than me. So you go, no, it's about finding what God wants me to do, what my talent is, what my gift is, and using that for the glory of God. Steward your talent. And so often we'll say, well, oh, you know, I'm not as good as so-and-so. I was, never, I was never given the talent of this. I couldn't sing like so-and-so. I can't play like so-and-so. We don't, we don't have natural talent sometimes. We think, well, I'm not good enough. You know, I, I was thinking this morning, it reminded me when I saw, when I saw um, uh, CJ leaning, leaning across to Olivia. And, and, and uh, not that Olivia can't play because she plays beautifully, but giving her the, the C, G, B and that's exactly how I used to play the bass guitar. You know, I, I, I can't play the bass. I, I, I picked it up years and years and years ago. And, and, and the only way I could play was if I stood next to Tracy while she played the piano. And he's, while everyone's going, you know, singing, the, the, singing praises to God and got their arms raised up and, and worshipping God, Tracy's going, C, B, G. And, I'm just, and that's how I played. I haven't got a natural talent to play the bass. But God's given me a talent, and so therefore I need to find out what that talent is and use it for the glory of God. I need to be generous with my talent. I need to be generous in stewarding the talent that God has given me. And you need to be generous with the talent that God has given you. Steward your talent, because the talent that you have has been given to you by God. Some of us are great, great musicians. Some of us are great singers. Some of us are mechanics. Some of us are electricians. Some of us are builders. Whatever our talent is, you can encourage somebody. You can lift somebody up. You can prophesy over somebody. You can give somebody a word of wisdom. Whatever your talent is, use it for the glory of God. Be generous with your talent. You know, when you talk about talents and 
stewarding your talent, sometimes this particular talent here, the aspect of generosity doesn't just, it has two sides to it. Yes, it's about being generous in using my talent, but some of us have the same talent as somebody else. There might be two or three that can prophesy. There might be one or two or three or four or five that can sing. Generosity sometimes has been able to say, you know what, you go right ahead. You go ahead. In honour preferring one another. Let me see your, let me see you excel in your talent. Doesn't matter that I can do it. I want to see you excel. And, and that's the generosity that comes from being generous with our stewardship of our talent. Steward your talent this morning. Why? Because God gave you that talent. Second point, steward your time. Steward your time. This is a, this is a very um, controversial aspect sometimes. Steward your time. You know, in, Corinthians, in Colossians, sorry, Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of your opportunities. Making the most, in other words, redeeming the time. Using it wisely. Ephesians 5, 16, 21 says, Make the most of your time. Because the days are evil. For this reason, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be, get drunk on wine, for that is recklessness. Don't sit around wasting your time getting drunk. When you could be serving God, when you could be doing something for God, don't waste your time sitting around doing nothing. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that our time is precious. I know that, that for many, we are time poor. You know, often you'll say to somebody, why didn't you get that done? Or why didn't you do that? Oh, well, I didn't have the time. I just didn't have the time. The question is, how do you manage your time? Steward your time. What do you do with your time? You know, uh, but I need to spend more time with my family. Uh, you know, I've got to go to work and I get home at 7 o'clock at night and I'm just in time and I'm tired and I, I just got time to have a meal and then relax and, and then drop into bed and then wake up the next morning. I haven't got time to do anything. But how much time do you spend with God? You see, steward your time. Make sure that you understand. I've got, I, I waste time. I'll be honest with you, I waste a lot of time. And I'm sure if, any, if every one of us was honest with themselves, they'd say exactly the same thing. We waste time. But God wants us to steward our time correctly and be generous with our time towards him and towards the things of God. Matthew 5 and 13 says that you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its flavour, how shall it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You know, some of my research has shown me that pure salt, in other words, salt that is unrefined, pure salt straight from the ocean, will never lose its saltiness. It will be salty forever. But the table salt that we use, the stuff that's been added, iodized, the stuff added to it, contaminants, mixture with something else, that will lose its, 
that will lose its saltiness over a period of time. And what, what, what Jesus is saying here is that we need to have pure Christianity. We need to, be, we need to, we need to understand that the, the, the time that we spend affects us. In, in different areas, if we spend more time watching TV, we spend more time doing things that, that are going out with our, with our worldly friends and going to parties and we spend more time in those sort of things rather than worshipping God and in the house of God, being close to the presence of God. If we spend more, we'll become contaminated like that and we will slowly lose our saltiness. We should be in church. Man, you know, Zoom is great. Our online is great. But sometimes we use it as an excuse. And we sit at home, we put our feet up, and we relax because it's so easy to do. We should be in church. We should be pre- we in the pre- because the time that we spend, steward your time. Man, there was an awesome presence of God here this morning. And I tell you what, I can guarantee you that most of you at home did not feel the presence of God like we felt it. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to minimalize or, or to, to bring down where you were at, at home, but I'm telling you, we need to be in the presence of God. Where, how, do you, how do you steward your time? We need to be generous with our time. Yes, there are reasons sometimes why we can't be here. Trace didn't sleep a wink last night, so she's not here this morning. Peter did some work in his garden yesterday and he overdid it, so he's not here. And if you're watching, I'm sorry, you mentioned your name, but <laughs> you should be here. Um, <laughs> If I had my way, I would cancel the live Zoom. Yes, we televise it later on, later on in the day, tomorrow, so you can see it, but I'd cancel the, the live Zoom because we should be in the house of God. How do you manage your time? Be, be generous with your time for God. Why? Because God's given you every second that you've got. Every second you have, God's given to you. So manage it wisely. How generous are you? Hallelujah. And the third point this morning, steward your tithe. When I say tithe, read finances. Steward your tithe. You know, Malachi 3 and 10 says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now with this, says says Jehovah of hosts to see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing for you until there's not enough room. You know, there's so much speculation today on whether tithing is Old Testament or New Testament. You'll get arguments from both sides and people can vehemently argue their point one way or the other. And it doesn't matter what you say, there are those that are for tithing and there are those that are against it. There are some that say that it's the Old Testament and so therefore it belongs under the Old Testament and it's not for the New Testament. I'm not here to debate either way. But rather to say that Jesus came to fulfil the law, not to do away with it. Jesus came rather to, to show us the purpose of the law. 
I believe in tithing. I, I personally believe in tithing. You know, our parents taught us to tithe from the very first time that we started to work. That was the principle that they taught us. We were brought up in a home of, 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 of a mum and dad who understood what tithing was. We, were, we spent five years of our, of our early days in England when I was about five years old. And my parents were going through, a, a, I guess, a bit of a hiatus from church, but they would send us to church. And we'd go down the, down the corner, catch the bus to the Salvation Army, and we'd get down there and we'd, we'd spend time in church and then we'd come home again and my parents would be at home. But, but, but they made sure that they sent their tithes with us to pay. You see, they taught us what tithing was all about. Do, have I always tithed? No, I have not. No, I haven't. When, I was, when we were young, and I've talked about it before, when Tracy and I first got married, we didn't have any money. I couldn't afford to insure my house. My house was uninsured for about four or five years because I couldn't afford to insure my house. I couldn't afford to insure my car because I had no money. And I wasn't paying tithes because I couldn't afford it. Now, some would say, well, you can't afford not to. The same as they would say you can't afford not to insure your house or not to insure. And that was all, that's all great. That's all great. You know, and I had, I had people say it to me when they'd ask me, is your house insured? And I said, well, no, it's not. I said, well, you can't afford not to insure your house. I said, well, no, I can't afford to insure it. I've got no money. So I haven't always tithed. But I believe in tithing. I believe in giving to God. And this is not about tithing. Even though I've, my point is steward your tithe. I just use, because it's tea, you know, talent, time, tithe, you know, I just wanted to carry on. <laughs> and it's not about whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, but it's about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's about understanding that, that what we need to do is learn how to steward, learn how to manage the finances that God has placed within our hands. How do I manage that? What do I give back to God? What am I allowing God to, to take a, a hold of and, 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 and use properly in my life? Sure, I've got ideas on where I want to spend my money, but God knows exactly where it should be spent. How do I steward that? Proverbs 3 and 9 and verse 10 says, Glorify God with your wealth, honouring Him with your very best. Honouring Him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you, then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. Glorify God with your wealth. Honour him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. You know, when you, when, you, when you invest your money and you get an increase, do you give to God? It says here, with every increase that comes to you. And then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. That's a powerful, powerful verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 8 says, here's my point. Here's my point. 
a stingy sower will reap a meager harvest. But the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Can I just say tithing becomes or can become a religious duty? Let giving flow from your heart and not from a sense of a religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. How many of you laugh hilariously when you pay your tithe or you give money to the church? <laughs> hey? God loves a, a, a hilarious generosity, an hilarious giver. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that, you may, so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. There's no mention of tithing in this verse. But there's so many promises in this verse that if we will be generous to God, God will be generous back to us. It's very simple. It's very, I couldn't say it any easier than that. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, reap bountifully. That's exactly what it's saying. If you want to put it into four words, no, two, four, well, yeah, two, four, six, eight, six, eight words. <laughs> then put it into eight words. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, reap bountifully. And it goes on to say in verse 10, this generous God, remembering we are required to be generous stewards because God is generous to us, right? And the Bible says here, this generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need plus more. Then he supplies the seed as you sow it so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it, so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. God has given you everything that you've got. God provides the seed. But guess who he gives it to? The generous, this generous God who supplies abundant seed to the sower, to the farmer, the one who sows. He doesn't give it to the baker, the butcher, <laughs> the candlestick maker. He gives it to the one who sows, who's out there sowing. And he, and he multiplies the seed that is sown so that your harvest grows bountifully. Hallelujah. Everything, all the finances you have, all the money you have has been given to you by God. How generous are you? with your finances when it comes to giving back to God. I heard one preacher say that extravagant giving is no, should be normal in the presence of the king. Extravagant giving should be normal in the presence of the king. Which brings me to my final point this morning. Steward your trust. Steward your trust. And so God's given us the talents that we need the talents that we have, God's given us the time. So everything that we have, every moment of every day, God's given us. 
God's given us our every finance, every dollar that we have, every cent that we own belongs to God and God gave it to you. So if God's given us all of that, how much do you steward that your trust in God? Steward your trust. How generous are you in trusting God? It's easy to trust God when you've got money in the bank. It's easy to trust God when, you, when things are pretty and, and things are going well. But to know that everything that we've got anyway, regardless of what our outcome is, God's given us, how, do we tr- how much do we trust Him with that? Psalm 34 and verse 8 out of the Passion Translation says, drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Experience for yourself the joyous mercies he gives to all who turn to hide themselves in him or trust in him. How drink deeply of God. Drink drink deeply. How fantastic. How experienced the the joyous mercies he gives to you to us as we trust in him. What does Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Well, listen to it out of the, trans, out of the passage translation. Trust in the Lord completely. And I'll close with this this morning. Trust in the Lord completely and don't rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him. To guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all, for wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. Trust in the Lord completely. And so this morning, Generous stewardship. We've probably heard messages on stewardship before, learning to steward what God's given us, learning to steward what God has placed in our hands, what God's given us. But how generous are we with all of that? How generous are we in giving back to God? Our time, our talent, our tithe, our trust. Can I just read one last scripture? And it's a scripture that, that, that uh, Larry started with this morning. Um, give and it'll be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together. Running out all over. But I want to read it out of the Passion Translation again. It says, give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you. Shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts that will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. You know, often we forget what's been preached about. You know, so you say to someone, what, what, what did so-and-so preach last week? Oh, I can't remember. And you may forget everything that's been said this morning. But I want us to remember that one phrase. Your, the, the, your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. The measurement of your generosity becomes the measurement of your return. 
the measurement of your generosity becomes the measurement of your return. And if you go home this week, and if that's the only thing you remember, and hopefully that'll bring back to remembrance the things that we've talked about in, in stewarding our talent and our time and our tithe and being generous with what God has given us and, and being a generous steward towards the things of God. Just remember that one phrase. The measurement of your generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Derek. Thank you. Thank you.